It's a new week, it's a new day, and it's a new episode. First up, Nathan will be telling us about the Birdman of Alcatraz, the Alaskan pimp with a taste for violence who becomes one of the leading canary researchers of his time from a cell on the rock. And second, Hallie will be telling us about Teal Swan, whose online mental health and wellness social media has led to the completed suicide of at least two people, and yet is still being praised by thousands. Content warnings for this episode, well, this is a two-parter. For the first half, there are discussions of violent behavior and murder. As for Teal Swan, our second half, as for Teal in our second half, there's going to be a lot of sensitive topics which will be touched on, including sexual assault of a minor and suicide. As always, foul language will be sprinkled throughout. So let's get into it. I am going to be talking about uh, the Birdman of Alcatraz, <laughs> uh, Robert Stroud. So I wasn't really sure where to again, really where to start with uh, with this. Uh, so I'm just going to do the same thing that I did last time and start from the beginning. Um, so Robert Stroud was born in 1890. At the beginning of the year in Seattle, Washington, uh, he was born to uh, Benjamin and Elizabeth Stroud, and he didn't exactly have like the best home life. Well, to put it to put it lightly, he was the oldest of uh, um, the kids in his family. His mom had two daughters from uh, a previous marriage, and his dad was really abusive so by the time he turned 13 he had decided well fuck this i'm out uh and he ran away from home that's fair yep uh so at 13 years of age he ran away from home disappeared from seattle and this part is a little bit uh is a little bit debated. Not a lot of people really knew uh, what happened to him, but based on his stories and the assumptions, uh, he basically became a freight train hopper uh, and started traveling across the U.S., um, just taking up odd jobs here or there to keep himself alive. By the time he was like 15, 16 kind of thing, he ended up coming back to Seattle, um, basically hopped his way around the U.S. and was like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go back home, um, but didn't go back home home. He never really reunited with his family, didn't move back in, um, decided that he once again needed a, needed a job. So he decided that because railway construction was something that was continuing to happen, that he would go up into Alaska and basically join a railway gang uh, to 
help build train tracks, basically. So that would take him across Alaska. Now, he eventually made his way to uh, Cordova, Alaska, by the time he was 18. Now, when he made it there, he met and ran into a uh, a dance hall entertainer uh, and prostitute, which which this woman was either is also sort of debated. They don't know whether maybe she was just a dance hall entertainer or maybe she also was a prostitute on the side for extra money. Um, but she was twice his age. Uh, her name was Kitty O'Brien, and the story behind it was that they ended up moving to Juneau, Alaska, and he became her pimp. <laughs> Whether or not she was a prostitute, she is now, or was. Well, basically, yeah. Like, mm, um, Good grief. Robert's whole whole life, basically from the time that he is like ni- 18, 19, and beyond is spent in jail. And this incident here sort of starts it all. So Robert and Kitty both worked at this bar. And while they were there, Robert also supposedly pimped her out. Um, At one point in uh, January of 1909, the barman uh, allegedly failed to pay Kitty for whatever services. Um, and decided instead that he was going to beat her and take whatever jewelry she had on her. What a um, fucking dick. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So Stroud uh, confronted the guy, beat the shit out of him. And then when the guy was on the ground, beaten half to death, Stroud shot him in the heart and ended it. Killed him. Fair. Fair. So obviously the, he went to the police station. He surrendered himself and the gun. And he said, uh, according to the police reports, what what he said was that he knocked the guy unconscious and then shot him at point blank range. So he's like, "This is what I did. Here's the weapon. Here's the thing. Away we go." Um, <laughs> Pretty so, upstanding for a pimp. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's ready for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, like, what else are you gonna do if people know you, right? So, um. His mom, who he still had um, contact with, was like, well, that's my son, so obviously I'm going to help him out. She got a lawyer um, and managed to get his... uh, managed to get a plea. Um, So he was able to lower his sentence. Um and was found guilty of manslaughter uh, 
and then was sentenced to 12 years in uh, the Puget Sound McNeil Island prison. Um, so because Alaska didn't have its own judiciary system at the time, he was a federal prison prisoner um, and part of the federal prison system. Um, so yeah, his, uh, that is his first, first crime that got him into jail. And that's where it all kind of started as, as this guy's sort of life went on, they eventually like created a movie about him and sort of, I don't know, like movies like to really play the main character as the hero. Wait, so they, they made a movie of him while he was in prison. I think the movie came out. Crap, I'm trying to remember. When did he die? Uh, yes, I think the movie came out just before he died. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it portrayed him in like this kind of heroic light. But everyone that they talk about, everyone that talks about him was like, this guy was heartless. Sure, he did things that like helped out society and like science and stuff, but no, he was a murderer and he was an asshole. Um, how did how did he get to that notoriety notoriety that they'd make a movie about him? Uh that's all part of the part of the story. Um Okay. He, <laughs> yeah. Um <clears throat> so it was it was essentially he was Alaska's most famous prisoner, basically, based on what he had done. I feel like that's a low bar. <laughs> right? Yeah. That that's that's kind of what I found out, like looking through his stuff. Like he was only ever really um charged for three things over his whole life. But he was in prison for 54 years. Damn. Yeah. So when he went to prison uh, at McNeil Island, he was always feuding with other inmates and staff <laughs> and was prone to many different physical ailments, quote, quote. Um, supposedly, he stabbed a fellow prisoner who reported him for stealing food from the kitchen. Um. He assaulted a hospital orderly who reported him to prison administration for attempting to steal like morphine uh, through threats and intimidation. And he also reportedly stabbed another inmate who was involved in the attempt um, in an attempt to smuggle narcotics. So again, like after all of this shit that he did, he was sentenced to an additional six months for all of those attacks. Gosh. <laughs> And then they transferred him from McNeil Island to another federal penitentiary in Leavenworth, uh, Kansas. In 1916, in the spring of 1916, he was there in Leavenworth, Kansas, and apparently a cafeteria guard um, decided he was going to give Stroud shit for like a really, really minor rule violation. But this violation 
would have cost Stroud his visitation privileges to meet with his younger brother, who he hadn't seen in eight years. So Stroud was like, well, fuck you. Don't get pissed off at me. That's bullshit. Uh, and stabbed this guy in the heart and fucking killed him. <laughs> this guy has a thing about hearts. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, a six-inch shiv straight to the oh heart. God. Um, <laughs> he was obviously convicted of first-degree murder for the stabbing and then sentenced to death by the judge. Yeah, yeah, that would do um, it. <laughs> that would do it. Yeah, a fucking prison guard. He was sentenced to death. The sentence was overturned in an appeal. And then a year later, in 1917, he was convicted in, a, in that second trial, receiving a life sentence. And then the solicitor general at the time was like, I'm going to submit a confessed error of this because this guy is a fucking piece of shit. I want him to have the death penalty. So I'm going to basically null what happened in this previous conviction. So it's going to have to go to a third trial. So 1916, convicted, sentenced to hang. It was overturned. 1917, Convicted to life sentence, no death, but a letter of error <laughs> was submitted. So that reversed that decision. Ugh. And now another year later, this guy's going back to jail. And on June 20, or not back to jail, but back to court, still in jail, June 28th, sentenced to death by hanging again. Pick one. So, yeah. And then come in mama again. Gotta protect my kid. Appeals directly to President Woodrow Wilson. Oh my god. Wow. <laughs> His mom is the Karen of Karens. Like, yeah. She's the I'm OG going helicopter pilot. to management. Yeah. Um, like, so she asked the president um, and said, I, I just. I need your help. This is my son. Uh, the execution was halted for eight days before it was supposed to be carried out. Um, and then his sentence was commuted to life imprisonment. Oh. Um, so, and like, even the Leavenworth Worth's prison warden was like, what the fuck? No, this guy is always causing shit. <laughs> like, He's fighting people. He's just the worst piece of shit. He should die. Like, do, why are you doing this? Um, <laughs> so, because the president was like, nope, we've commuted his, uh, his sentence. Morgan, um, the, the warden, uh, T.W. Morgan, was like, okay, fine. But if you want me to keep him here, his sentence is going to be lived out in solitary confinement for the rest of his days. Mm -hmm. Like, for fucking ever. Um, mm -hmm. 
So yeah, that's uh, that's what happened to him. Um, Forty-two years of his life in jail was in solitary confinement. When he was in confinement, um, Stroud found a nest with three injured sparrows in the prison yard and ended up raising them to adulthood. Um, prisoners were allowed to have um, like canaries or, or small birds. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's so random. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially what he had done is he started like adding things to his collection um for raising birds um and he would sell some of these supplies like stuff that he would make like small bird cages like from wooden crates and stuff within the within the building he would sell these to other prisoners so they could keep their pet canaries. And then he would send the money back home to his mom. Aww. Yeah. So the, this whole thing, like this guy is just like the most violent human being in, in prison with other people around him. But no, you're going into solitary confinement. You manage to escape death. And then he's like, Oh, birds. Well, so, solitary confinement's really bad for you mentally, so who knows? Absolutely, yeah. They they broke him good. <laughs> mm-hmm. After um uh at, basically at a at a after a certain point, the administration had changed and a new gentleman, William Biddle, took over as the warden in Leavenworth. And he was like and he was super impressed with the possibility of uh, of being able to present Leavenworth as a progressive rehabilitation penitentiary. Um, so he gave Stroud cages and chemicals and all sorts of stationery to conduct uh, ornithological, ornithological activities. Um, and visitors that came through would be shown Stroud's aviary, and some of these people would even buy his birds. So over his time... He raised almost 300 canaries in his in his cell, and he wrote two books. Uh, one of them is called "The Diseases of Canaries." That was written in 1933, <laughs> which was smuggled out of Leavenworth so it could be published. And then he had a later edition that was published in. 43 called Stroud's Digest on the Disease of Birds with very specific information uh, on specific birds and how these diseases affect them. That's a lot of stuff about diseases. Right? Yeah. Basically a lot of his work helped advance the the subject of ornithology. Um, Wow. Because, I mean, what else did he have to do? Yeah. Uh, and he kind of became respected in that field. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, his, <laughs> a little bit later, they found out that his activities were, were starting to cause problems for prison management. Yeah, so prison management was like, okay, well, your, uh, your activities are causing us too much work, basically. Uh, because we have to read each letter sent or received at this prison 
Um, it has to be copied and it has to be approved. So at one point, the prison had to hire a secretary just to take care of him and his business. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, and also because like his birds were allowed to fly freely within a cell um, and there were so many of them, Ooh. it was just covered in bird shit all the time. It was oh, just gross. And yeah. Yeah. At one point, there was an attempt at trying to destroy his business altogether. So in, in 1931, uh, the prison was like, okay, well, we got to figure this shit out. We can't keep doing this. We can't keep dealing with this. So there was an attempt to get rid of all of his birds that had failed within the prison. And Stroud and one of his male correspondents, who was a, a bird researcher from Indiana, um, made the whole thing known to newspapers and magazines. Um, and then this huge letter with like 50,000 signatures was sent to President Hoover to let this guy keep his birds and keep doing his thing, even though like the prison was overcrowded and so on. It even went as far as he was allowed to have a second cell for his birds. Jesus. So like, yeah, I know our prisons are overcrowded and we can't, we can barely like give one person, like sometimes we got too many people in a room, but this guy can have a second one. Uh, well, it's probably, it's probably cheaper than having to like pay for his medical health and living right? in shit. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, the prison started trying to like step up their activities to try and get rid of him to the point where they were trying to figure, trying to transfer him out of Leavenworth. Um, so Stroud discovered that by Kansas law, if you are married to someone in Kansas, you can't be transferred out of a prison. My God. So he married his research partner. His research partner. The research partner that, um, yeah. So the Indiana research partner that I just met mentioned. Um, so they were like, so her name is Della Mae Jones, and they're like, okay, well, you know what? Like, so we can keep corresponding, and we can keep doing our our bird research. We're gonna get married. So he got <laughs> married, and he pissed off the prisoner administrators even more. Uh, so they cut off all contact between the two of them and wouldn't pass through their letters. Oh, that's kind of sh shitty. Yeah. 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 So mom, being mom, uh, was also pissed off that he decided to go off and get married because... She was very old school and decided and thought, well, women are no good and they're just going to cause trouble for my son, my murderous, abusive <laughs> son. Um, yeah, a bird woman's going to cause problems. For right. Cool, cool, cool. When previously she had been a huge advocate for everything 
to do with her son when it came to legal battles or whatever, she was now like, nope, I don't give a shit if he wants to apply for parole. I'm not stepping up for him. Well. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So and one thing I didn't, I didn't realize was that uh, when he went to Leavenworth, she moved to Leavenworth so she could be closer to him. Wow. Like, oh, is it? Well, it wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but because of all of this, him getting married and so on, and his attempts to be released, she was like, nope, fuck this. I'm out. And left Leavenworth and didn't have any more contact with him. And then she died in, in 37. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. After all that advocates, adv advocacy, she just like, nah, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Marriage. <laughs> mm hmm Um so in in 33, Stroud went ahead and complained about the fact that he wasn't getting royalties from the sales of his um Disease of Canaries books. Uh and the publisher was like, Well, no, fuck you complain to the warden about it and then they managed to figure out a transfer to Alcatraz mm. he eventually made his way there um, it, took, it, it took a while yeah so it doesn't really say much about his marriage but the um they were basically just trying to get him out eventually they got to the point where them trying to get him out uh came down to the fact that oh some of the equipment that Stroud uses can be used as a homemade distillery to manufacture alcohol and you're not allowed to make alcohol in in prison in fact that's pretty much against everything that's in here so this was the this was the the needle right like this is the final nail in the coffin that we could get this guy out so i think this was sort of the leg to stand on yeah it was it was the leg to stand on for them um they're like well we found out that he's not actually doing bird research he's actually just manufacturing alcohol for everyone in the prison um, why yeah. not both why not both so uh, in December of 42 uh, he was transferred to Alcatraz and he was not informed in advance that he was leaving Leavenworth um, and obviously he was not allowed to bring his birds um, Alcatraz was uh, was not as hospitable uh, in that sense. You don't say. <laughs> um, and he was given 10 minutes to basically pack up and get the fuck out. So all of his birds and his equipment uh, were sent to his brother. Well, at least that's nice. Mm -hmm. They could have just like, thrown them away or something. So Yeah. Yeah. I hope the birds lived a happy life. Doesn't really say too much. Um, 
But I'm pretty sure they yeah, they probably didn't follow up on the birds. <laughs> no. Uh but he he went to Alcatraz again, spent six years in segregation, uh, and then another eleven confined to the hospital wing in the penitentiary. Um, oh. Yeah, so he didn't uh he he died at the age of seventy three, but he spent the last chunk of his years in in like the hospital wing and he he was assessed by a psychiatrist who diagnosed him as a psychopath with an IQ of 112 you know trying to figure out trying to figure him out realizing that he didn't really have much sympathy for anyone or any of the things that he had done but when he was there uh, he wrote two manuscripts, and one of them was called Bobby, an autobiography, uh, and Looking Outward, a history of the U.S. prison system from colonial times to the formation of the Bureau of Prisons. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, so a judge ruled that he had the right to keep the manuscripts, um, but a warden had uh the warden had actually banned their publication and the judge ruled in favor of that so you can keep your manuscripts but you're not allowed to go you're not allowed to have them published hmm. um however after stroud's death the transcripts were delivered to his lawyer have they since been published it looks like one of them the um history of the prison uh prison system has been let me see his autobiography doesn't look like it has um but the uh the looking outward actually has its own uh has its own wiki page and i actually didn't look directly into that into a link for that cool beats. oh okay here we go february 5th oh my birthday 2014 it was a may it was made available as a Amazon Kindle ebook. And then a year oh, wow. later, available in paperback. So that's neat. I wonder who's getting those royalties. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Because so um, like he didn't have any kids, right? Uh, no, he didn't. Huh. Yeah. Maybe like his brother's kids or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Nathan, did you? I just ran across something interesting. Mm-hmm. His manuscripts. He says he was homosexual. I was whoa. just going to get to that. Yeah, <laughs> I was just spoiler. I was like, whoa, okay. So that was a because I was trying to see if someone had published the biography because I'm I was curious. Yeah. Um, but it looks like the lawyer had him for a while. Yes. The so they went. They went to. They were delivered to his lawyer after his death. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that's huh. kind of, that's where that came from. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. And then doesn't, they don't really, they're not really traced from there. It's just, the uh, no, it doesn't look like it. So I expect that huh. these would have been just manuscripts that sat for a while and then were eventually, you know, released. Yeah. Yeah. You'd almost have to, cause they would have been handwritten. Yeah. Yeah, whoa. Yeah. Uh, 
so there were actually rumors um of Stroud's homosexuality I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> that were that were noted at Alcatraz. So a gentleman named Don Hurley, whose father was a guard at Alcatraz, uh said whenever Stroud was around anyone, which was seldom, he was watched very closely as prisoner officials were very aware of his overt homosexual tendencies. When Hurley uh, was interviewing, uh, sorry, interviewing a former inmate, Stroud was always in the, quote, dog block or solitary confinement. When he was in the hospital wing, he was referred to as a, quote, quote, wolf, an aggressive homosexual who had a bad temper. <laughs> I have never heard that before. <laughs> I've never heard that either. Yep. That one was new to me. When they were doing the movie, Stroud and the person who was playing him, Burt Lancaster, were able to meet. They were able to have a conversation. And the and uh, Stroud obviously never, never got to see the film or read the book, but did happen to make a comment on one of the problems that prevented his parole uh, in that he was an admitted homosexual and Lancaster came back and said that Stroud was like, let's face it. I'm 73 years old. Does that answer your question about whether I would be a dangerous homosexual <laughs> in his whole 17 years of being at Alcatraz? He was allowed to access the prison library and he had actually begun to study law from time to time. He was allowed to play chess with the guards and eventually like started petitioning to the government that his long prison term was basically amounted to cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, he never obviously got out, but his last, his last couple of years were trans uh, were spent in the medical center for federal prisoners in Springfield, Missouri. Hmm. And that's where he died um, at the age of 73. Why was he in the hospital? Just being old? or uh, It just said his health was failing. Okay. So, no, no real. Well, shit. That's a long time to be in jail. Yeah, jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also and doing bird research. <laughs> fascinated by something like that. Like, they say his IQ was 112. Yep. But... We also know that IQ tests from those times were notoriously um, not reliable. Biased. Yeah, yeah. biased. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm just like, there's so much there that we don't really have the full grasp on. Yeah. There's got to be someone who's like done a crazy in depth study, literary review of him reading all his materials. Because, yeah, it's, yeah there, it's a lot. It was, there was a lot. A lot, of, a lot of things that, even for me, kind of felt like they were unanswered. Um, but did he just die of old age? Or <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. Usually when a prisoner passes, you at least have something on the record. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. The myth, the legend. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Hello again, just hopping in here as a preface. As mentioned in the beginning, there will be conversations about sexual abuse of minor and suicide. Teal Swan is a very polarizing figure, as most cult leaders are, and Hallie will do her best to present the surface details of an insanely complex situation and of a woman preaching some pretty infuriating things in a concise manner as much as possible. But like always, we have additional information sources for you on our website, thehumanexception.com. All right. So, Hallie, you ready to lead this off with a happy note? Great. Oh, oh my God. Okay, so. I'm honestly really excited because you're so bothered by this. I'm so bothered by it. I'm so bothered by it because because she's just heinous. Um, So this was probably a couple of years ago or maybe. Yeah, it was probably a year, year and a half ago, maybe. Um, One of my favorite podcasts of all time is called Ono, Ross and Carrie. And they are uh, professional skeptics and they like to dig into things. But they did a very long piece uh, a few years ago on Scientology where they got banned from the L.A. Celebrity Center. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And Ono, Ross and Carrie is a fantastic podcast. It is fantastic. It is fantastic. Um, and I, 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 you know, you can pick and choose and they, they've had a long run on, on their network and they were doing a series back in 2018. It was October, 2018. They did a two part series on this woman named Teal Swan. I was like, who the frig named their kid that? What the frick is going on? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm in sure. Um, and I got sucked in. So, and they had actually, um, cited the gateway podcast from gizmodo as to how they got sucked in to this woman's world a little bit so then of course as i am uh want to do i went on a tangent uh and started looking things up and now here we are and i am so bothered by this person uh so just i i just i'm gonna give a broad content warning we're gonna talk about mental health suicide, drugs and drug use and drug abuse, cults, brainwashing, sexual abuse, and ritualistic satanic abuse. There we go. The whole gambit. The whole thing. Just. But first, before we launch into who this wackadoodle is, um, she's a dangerous wackadoodle. I do not want to downplay that. Um, I would I have a little game for the two of you. Okay. Are you ready for this? So I'm going to read you a handful of quotes. Most of them are pretty short. Um, they have been pulled from various quote unquote spiritual leaders, or as we would probably call them cult leaders. And I want you to see if you can guess which one or ones might actually come from this person. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Yep. This is going to be fun. Um, I don't know why I thought that this was a good idea, but I'm going with it. All right. It's so down the list. It's a horrible idea, but we're sticking with it. I am a, I go all in. <laughs> so, all right. First one. Don't believe for a second that Jim Jones thought he was causing people harm. He thought he was helping people. He thought the only way was for them to be free was to die. Okay. There's the first one. Uh, uh- Yep. Okay. Do we do guess now? We'll do them all, and then you can keep okay. score at home if you want, kids. Um, uh, second one. I want you all to imagine that you're dead, so we're all going to get suicidal for a moment. <laughs> yep. 
Okay. It gets worse. Uh, I picked some real winners. Uh, if you remove yourself from enough limited from the limited point of view of pain, you will see that at the root of all things that are negative in this world is the physical fact that we are all nothing but the victims of victims. <laughs> and then um. my last two. Uh, if you look at the demographic of people who are interested in my material, you're working with an unstable group of people. To suggest that I am responsible for suicide in people who came to me suicidal, that's pretty insane. And then the last one. The focus is always on the narcissist being the bad guy in a dysfunctional relationship. But the insecurity in both the narcissist and the codependent is that they're a good person. So you're a perfect vibrational match to each other. But it's much easier for society to look at the narcissist and be like, oh, that's a total asshole. Really, the codependent is just as much to blame for that relationship. Because the only way that they can get the guaranteed dependence is to find somebody and make them dependent. And this is why alcoholism is so damn hard to break as a pattern in the family. It's not just the alcoholic. It's the fact that the spouse is like, oh, my gosh, if they give up alcohol, they're never going to be with me. Yeah, fuck you. Any guesses? Um, I'm just going to fucking go go win. That's all of her. Yeah, I don't even know this bitch, but I'm guessing <laughs> it is. It is. Holy shit. Yeah. So I wow. um, <clears throat> there's a lot to talk about with her. There's too much, actually. Um, but I don't want to give, this is why I did this, that I kind of, um, framed it this way because I don't want to give her any benefit of the doubt, um, or any kind of credence or give you her life story in, in like the front, right? Because it's bullshit. Um, so what I want everyone to understand, I know you two get it, but anybody listening to this is that. Right off of the bat, this woman pisses me off. Um, she has taken advantage of a situation that has allowed her to flourish, right? The internet that she can use to reach as many people on her bullshit social media platforms as she can. And this lets her take that contrived blend of everything's going to have fucking air quotes around it, spiritualism and healing techniques to prey on people who are already hurting and looking for answers. Um, and she has the kind of the, the perfect package, right? She's attractive. She's a skilled manipulator. She's very smart. I do not question that one bit. But instead of using her intelligence for good, she went and used it to rip people off in cold read rooms and make herself wealthy and famous because that's ultimately what she wants. Excellent. Great. Great. Perfect. She is a cult leader. She is dangerous. Um, and we'll get into more of that in a little bit as to exactly why. Um, but right off the bat, she is very good at making money off vulnerable people who need doctors and therapists and trained licensed professionals, not a two bit hack with long brown hair in culturally inappropriate clothing who charges hundreds of dollars per ticket to her synchronization workshops. And it is, I'm going to, I'm going to read certain things off that were taken directly off of her website as of three days ago. 
uh, so Monday of this week, that it's just word salad. It doesn't mean anything, all right? So first one might have been the one that just made my ears bleed. Um, and my no, I started getting a fucking nosebleed. I don't know. Um, on her, her own website says she will reflect things about humanity, the world and the universe that humanity perceives to be positive, but she will also reflect things about humanity, the world and the universe that humanity does not want to accept, own or integrate. What the fuck does that fucking even mean? <laughs> what I'm the so fuck? Lost right now. She'll say all sorts of shit. And if you're offended, that's on you. <laughs> Oh my god okay i gotta shake this out because i was so mad the entire time i'm mad again so it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so some facts about well we'll say facts again in air quotes remember it's all air quoted uh about teal that is her middle name her first actual real name is mary uh about teal and her tribe yes yes that's what she calls it yes the teal tribe classy okay white woman using the word tribe yep let's keep going scroll through um and and the first bit about this is how savvy of a marketer she actually is because her seo game is so strong um she knows how to position how to tag how to headline and caption her videos so that they reach the people she ultimately wants to be viewing them which are vulnerable people um so cool picking on people that need help great um at best deeply irresponsible just out the gate uh she refers to herself as the spiritual catalyst and her ambitions include building a global empire based on self-actualization and related concepts quote oh things that don't mean anything yep cool um she claims to be extrasensory having been born that way capable of seeing the truth of the universe and sensitive to its different vibrations and even has had a hard time (laughs) plugging in electronics over the course of her life or using anything that uses electricity because she's typically shocked. Oh my God. Poor her. (laughs) Jesus. Now I want to be very clear. She is, I think a year older than me. So she should know better. So she should fucking know better. Yeah, I think she's like, yeah, she's 36. So yeah, she's a year older than me. I think she does um, know better. And she that's does the scary know better. Part. She does know better. She knows exactly what she's doing. Um, According to Teal, she was abducted by a Mormon satanic cult as a child, where she suffered years of abuse and was sewn into a corpse. Ooh, wait, what? What? <laughs> I told you it was going to get weird. Oh, let me just let me just keep going, because this is all the next couple of parts, all bad. So there's that abducted by a Mormon satanic cult as a child where she suffered years of abuse and was thrown into a corpse. The therapist who helped her unearth these memories has a, we'll say, troubling history involving similar allegations. Um, None of these details were independently verifiable, shockingly enough. And unsurprisingly, given at the time, they are almost verbatim the same satanic ritual abuse cult claims that fueled the 1980s satanic panic and that have been massively debunked. Uh, She also encourages her followers to work to recovery their own abuse memories. 
And she's also a fan of recovered memories. And again, ties right back to the satanic panic, which I have been studying a lot about over the last couple of years. Um, classic cult leader bullshit. Classic cult leader bullshit. There have been multiple cult leaders who have pulled this shit. It's not even original at this point. I was like, bitch, get no. a different game. God damn it. <sighs> Fucking Keith Renair has been doing it for like 30 yeah. years. Yep. Um, oh my god. So there's been a ton written about the satanic panic in the last couple of years because of the 30th anniversary or 40th anniversary, my bad math, of things like the McMartin preschool trial and a book called Michelle Remembers by Lawrence Pazder. Uh, So it's all the same tune playing out over the decades and Teal is getting both famous and rich off of it, which is great. Now, do you understand why I was angry? (laughs) Like the entire Uh time. I'm just baffled at this point. <laughs> we just wanted to make a note here that while we question Teal's backstory, we wanted to make sure our listeners know that we in no way take sexual or emotional abuse of any kind lightly. We didn't have time to get into the full details here, either of their claims or their validity. Over the years, Teal has had an ever-expanding story of nightmarish horror that represents her childhood. As Hallie said, things that fall right into the template of stories from the satanic panic. As always, we encourage you to look into these things yourself and come to your own conclusions, but we do warn with the extremely graphic and sickening detail that Teal has claimed, stories of bestiality, necrophilia, and murder. There have been many people that have come forward that were once part of Teal's inner circle that have testified to the changing nature of these stories and their complete fabrication. It is entirely possible that Teal suffered some form of abuse in her childhood, but the kind of which she claims with these outlandish stories has little to no credibility, and seemingly is used as a marketing tool to prey on those that have suffered true and horrific trauma. To get a deep and really personal account of Teal's rise and who she is, we recommend the show Mormon Stories and the episodes in which they speak with Jared Dobson, a former live-in boyfriend of Teal's. Jared knew her for years, but for six months they had a romantic relationship that ended with her telling him to kill himself and him leaving and committing himself to a mental health hospital. It took him years to recover and to even begin to talk about what happened and who Teal is. There will be links to those interviews in our show notes. Mm-hmm. So I did, I did, I, I had to, um, I did look up Mormon satanic cult and apparently there have been things since like the early nineties about like folks who are supposedly Mormons doing like satanic rituals with. Uh Wow. Yep. It's fucking gold. It is. Oh my God. Just another tangent of what drove people to think they were satanic child abuses in the bottom of Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria. Like, yay. it is the same vein of thought and paranoia over things that are completely made up. But in the age of the internet, if the satanic panic had happened back in the age of like the internet had been around widely during that time, we would have seen people get killed. Unquestionably. And legitimately and not just framed as being right. or had their lives ruined there was a famous case in canada um the guy was put into prison for he just recently got out from being accused of of uh ritualistic abuse in a preschool it followed the whoa yeah i'll send you the podcast link for it later because it oh i'm curious about that that's crazy when i listen to that it was nuts all of this stuff 
is all background on her because I don't obviously don't trust what she says about herself. So it, it takes looking at who around her has been impacted to kind of start sifting through the bullshit. Um, so I can verify this. And one of the stories is what I really want to look at um, because at least two people have taken their own lives after posting about suicide on the Teal Tribe Facebook page, which has been shut down. Uh, Thank God. Yeah. So there was an in-depth investigation of Teal back in November 2019 that the BBC did. And the article that you can go read is called Teal Swan, the woman encouraging her followers to visualize death. (laughs) Um, So we'll link it in the show notes, but this article looks at a young woman uh, whose name was Casey, and she was 18 when she took her own life last year, and her mother, Sarah, in her grief, went looking for answers and began pouring through Casey's social media and internet searches. She never... Yep, this is where it gets bad. Um, I mean, it started bad. This is where it gets worse. Um, So she... uh, spotted that Casey had shared a portrait on Facebook. Casey was an artist and she saw this. She never really gave the portrait any thought. She just thought it was a picture of a pretty woman. Um, And she realized that there was a caption on the picture identifying it as Teal Swan. And then through a little bit of research, she realized that Casey had joined this Teal tribe, which at the time was a private Facebook group, which meant that, you know, only members could see it. So Sarah joined the group and she was completely horrified at what she saw there. She actually read a post by her daughter saying that she had tried to take her own life the previous year that Sarah knew nothing about. Wow. Yep. And the picture that was attached to Casey's post was a stock image of a woman holding two fingers to her head like a gun. Um, And in response to that, two people including one of the volunteers that help that would like kind of moderate content in the group replied with Swan's video entitled, I want to kill myself. What to do if you're suicidal. What's the content of this video? Like not great. Cool. Not great. Basically putting the onus on the person. Basically like you're feeling this way for a reason. And so because you, you suck, to, you need to be better. <laughs> you need to find the root cause of what's actually hurting you. No, no, no info. Of course, now they had to go back and fix it because YouTube got after them uh, way too after the fact. Um, they have to they have to list the suicide hotline and the, uh, the different awareness hotlines and helplines. Um, they have to link to official sources. But at the time, that wasn't the case. So instead of saying this girl is in trouble, we should do something to help her. We're just going to feed her more cult nonsense. Great. Cool. Cool, Um, cool, cool. So the the BBC did a better explanation of the video than I could have. I actually I'll read this directly from the article because I think it presents it in a way that makes a lot of sense. Uh, So in the video, Swan urges those who are feeling suicidal to seek medical help, but then goes on to say that in her experience, for some people, this may not help long term. She instead suggests that suicide be seen as our safety net or our reset button that's always available to us. 
What? Wow. Yep. Fuck off. Fuck this lady. And she also argues that viewing it in this way enables people to set the idea aside instead of concentrate on what they can do to make and instead concentrate on what they can do to make themselves feel better in the present. Um, she also suggests an exercise in which viewers are told to lie down on the floor and imagine their deaths in grisly detail. Nice. I hate this cool, bitch. Cool, cool. And I don't usually use that word like that, but I, I used other ones <laughs> when I was writing this. <laughs> One of them starts with a C. Because <laughs> I don't think she... Caring. Yeah, my God. Yep, she is not worth any of this. <laughs> oh, my God. So um, at the time when this BBC article was written, the video was among the top results in a Google search that the authors actually did on terms related to suicide. And this was right before they published the article. So, yeah, her SEO game is very strong. Now, again, that has changed in the last year because YouTube has had to crack down um, because of various complaints. They've deplatformed other people like Alex Jones um, conspiracy nuts, people with misinformation, but it's too little too late. So, especially for Casey. Um, and then, um, there's a lot of, of experts. There are a lot of experts who've been consulted, um, about Teal and her teachings. One of them, Dr. Jonathan Singer, he was the president of the American Association of Suicidology which they're one of the leading research teams when they look at like copycat suicides and that type of thing. Um, and he had said, she's got these ideas that are in her mind. She's got these ideas that are in her mind that are only helpful, but for others, they could be really dangerous. What you're doing when you tell somebody to visualize how they're going to kill themselves is you're telling them to practice in their mind. And he goes on to explain that the research shows that this type of imagery rehearsal is actually a very effective way of improving your actual ability to carry it out. Like, you know, talking about this kind of stuff is fine, but like, you need to have someone there to kind of talk you through it and support you and keep you yep. safe. You can't just be like, here's a bunch of random advice. Bye. Yeah, which is which is yep. what she does. <clears throat> yeah. Uh -huh. Yep. Great. Cool. Um, so that this BBC article is like a treasure trove of information because they really do rip into her and rightfully so. And actually in response to their, uh, their research and their article, Facebook was forced to close down the trio tribe forum. Um, Hell yeah. It, yeah. So the BBC did this, which is great. Um, but they, it had to take that apparently so cool great facebook's evil too that's fine just put you know what stuff them all in a rocket shoot them into the moon you don't get to live with the rest of decent people <laughs> in my opinion just no um but of course once the teal tribe got shut down uh, some of the members went and set up a new one called the phoenix tribe and it is stated that it's not administered by Teal or any of her management team, which is bullshit because at least one senior person from her management team is a member. And the BBC article authors witness people talking about feeling suicidal with no helplines offered from other members. So, yay. Repeat of 
Uh, yeah. Great. Mm. <clears throat> yep. Yep. Oh, Nixium and- did the same shit. Oh yep. my! It's so it's called cookie cutter. I am just yeah. It's like I said, it's not even original. It is so predictable in a disgusting kind of way that I was like, "You are trash. You are trash." <gasps> I'm just waiting to figure, waiting for you to tell us how she's like making all her money. That's what I'm getting to. It's right in the next paragraph. Um. So, of course, like any good huckster. She sells her services, her lessons, and a whole lot more at a premium price. So let's start with some of the e-courses. Oh, yay. Yes, my favorite things. Um, If I had the disposable money, I would be tempted to (laughs) just to see what bullshit this is. (laughs) Totally. Uh, But I don't because the self-love e-course by Teal Swan originally... $199.99. Jesus. Now $149.99. So it's $50 off. And you get, Uh I am quoting verbatim from the eShop, 11 video lessons with internationally recognized transformational revolutionary Teal Swan, also known as The Mirror. The what? (laughs) The Mirror. The what? (laughs) (laughs) okay but why the mirror yeah (laughs) that was the first time i had run across that i hadn't seen it anywhere else oh my god uh if i had to guess hold on let me put my crazy thinking hat on here for a second my guess would be she would say it's because my vibrational energy reflects the vibrational energy of the earth right back to you if i had to guess (laughs) um no. You don't like me because you don't like yourself. Right. Yeah. 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 <sighs> there are. I would like to die now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> not great. It's not, it just gets worse. Um, there are 11 exercises in this e-course to actually help you create change in your life and the way you feel about yourself. It provides guided steps to create a life where low self-esteem is replaced by knowing your self-worth. There's an in-depth understanding of where self-hate comes from and how to cultivate self-love instead. I'm going to throw up. (laughs) Um, A structured experience with steps that, by committing to, will begin to create a lasting change in your life. Oh, and also like any good cult leader, it's all word salad and randomly capitalized words. (laughs) yeah i know oh and you also get a private community of others on the journey towards self-love and suicide videos and suicide videos all right so i'm about to show you all a picture of this next thing because if the self-love e-course is not your speed and you would rather wear your devotion to teal oh no how about this is the ugliest thing i've ever seen how about a Blu-ray self-love grid onesie? What? I'm going to give you a picture of this oh thing. Oh my god, I need, this, I need to see this thing. It made me want to throw up. It's also, the artwork on the onesie is hers. So she oh drew god, this. I can't wait to see this. She I can't this. wait to see it. Oh my god. <laughs> what went. the fuck is this? This is wearing like a... Stained glass window <laughs> on an ass with a heart on your vagina. Yep. 
<laughs> oh my god. This is totally some like 80s like spaceship uniform. <laughs> Hold on. This is an 80s sex cult uniform. Let me, let me, yeah, that too. Let me read the description. Oh Hold good. On. This is my other Aww. favorite thing on here because I was just I was wanting to weep by the time I get done with all this. So self-love, the Arcturian Blu-ray transmission. Oh yes, she also believes she's an Arcturian. It's an Arcturian. We'll get there. Trust me, because okay. I okay. I knew I know I know what it is I know what it claims to be, but I also went and looked it up from like the leading Arcturian website and uh, had to leave the room for a little bit. Um, okay. Yep. The exact image of the vibrational Arcturian broadcast of self-oriented love, one healing modality used by the Arcturian race is Blu-ray healing, and all I could think was DVDs. You just throw DVDs at people. Is that what we're doing? That's what I was hearing the entire time you're saying that. Like, is, I thought you said this was an outfit. Oh, it's a Blu-ray? Blu-ray. It's an outfit that can go in your Blu-ray player? Blu-ray. Blu-ray. It has her frequency paintings by Teal Swan, which are energetic patterns that are part of a pre-manifested reality, but then translate into your physical appearance when you spend time near them. With an oh, exclamation God. point on the end of that sentence. Uh, a frequency art product is homeopathic in nature and causes the person or persons around them to entrain with that particular frequency or even multiple frequencies should you want to work with several. She also says they're excellent to sit in with meditation, to have in your living space, and to wear throughout your day. The people around you will also get to benefit. <laughs> it's a handmade <laughs> item and made on demand. You can expect delivery to the U.S. in 11 to 23 business days. Oh, and um, okay, but w- yep. what benefit from does where? this have for me? From wearing the onesie. Mm. But was it being p- shipped to the U.S.? Where is it being shipped from? I have no idea. Probably China. And being handmade. Yep. So, yeah, yep. are we using like child yep. labor and shit? Uh-huh. Cool. Cool. Uh, so, Arcturians. <clears throat> this was a fun little side tangent that I got to go down. Um, I swear to God, I lost brain cells doing this one. Um, Arcturus is one of the most advanced extraterrestrial civilizations in our galaxy. It is a fifth dimensional civilization in which reality is like a prototype for Earth's future. Its energy works with humanity as an emotional, mental, and spiritual healer. Their total focus in every aspect of their society is to the path of God realization and the arcturians teach that the most fundamental ingredient for living in the fifth dimension is love it's a great ad and all but who, according to who <laughs> the arcturian uh, society okay uh-huh. so like does uh-huh. this align with the whole fucking like lizard man yep, yep. bullshit yep. Oh, okay yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's all oh, my connected God. yep it's all fucking coming yep. together yeah. These are these are like the aliens that have their spaceship on the dark side of the moon that protect Earth from I'm like so proud the of other right aliens. Now. Oh, yeah. that, oh, Nathan's been listening to that yep. for a while too. I'm so uh-huh. proud. Oh yeah. So, so yes, yeah, she is an Arcturian. She's the mirror. She is the one to save us all, and apparently uh, teach us how to visualize our own deaths. Okay, we're gonna get to the possibly the second worst part. <laughs> is she Jesus too? She probably thinks she is. Cool. Um, 
let's Maybe do one Jesus more. Maybe Jesus was an Arcturian. <laughs> let's do one more. Off the ye shop. I gotta prepare myself for this. Oh, um, I can't believe this I is... just searched for this. <laughs> I'm so proud. You're in trouble now. I'm so, I'm so proud. Um, so we've already talked a lot about it, like a lot of bad stuff. We're about to talk about sexual assault. So just prop. Awesome. Great. Yep. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. On the eShop for two sixty nine, And I was like, why did you price it that way? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <clears throat> why? 69ing is an act of love. Don't. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> if you're wearing your blue way onesie, there's a heart down there, so it's love, I guess. It's, target. it's like a target. Like you get 10 points for the, the outer target. ring, and you keep getting more points the closer you get to the glitterous, apparently. I don't know. Anyways, so for 269, you get the sexual healing course. With Teal Swan and a name you both might recognize, and I just went really with Dr. Laura Berman. Woohoo! Oh. Who is very well known in the Dr. Ozian circles because she's that kind of huckster. It's all connected. Yep. So I'm not going to read all of this, but I am going to read a little bit of this because I copied and pasted it right from her fucking website. Uh, it says it's for anyone from sex abuse victims to those that want to reconnect or to improve their relationship to sexuality, want to learn how to heal unpleasant or traumatic past sexual experiences, how to let go of sexual guilt or shame, how to set boundaries, make sense of gaslighting. Then this course is for you. I'm going to throw up. I, I need to know what's in this course. Cause like, Trash. Oh my god, it cannot be good. <laughs> so, um, the bad thing is that because there is a, a, a recognized name on this with Dr. Berman, it unfortunately gives Teal's nonsense an air of credibility, which is both incredibly damaging and highly irresponsible. Um, so, that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. There's all kinds of thing in here about like, oh, and of course, Teal says she was sexually abused as a child as well. So that's why she's in, and I am not making light of that. I just don't believe a fucking word that comes out of her mouth. Yeah. yeah no, no. Mm-hmm. She said she was sewn into a corpse and then sexually violated. No. Like... <laughs> nope. Yeah. Yeah. Sexual abuse. Never good. Never light, but no, Ugh. nope. I cannot take her seriously. No, no. It it just it, it all gets blown up because you're just like, what the? F-? And and I I spent as much time as I could handle for my own sake in in her little like her little clicky social media groups before I got stopped by needing to sign up. And it's all oh my gosh. The same stuff. It's all the same stuff. It's all the same. Like, we just need to listen to our goddess Teal and she will show us the way and the light. And I was like, <laughs> go find a church. Go do something other than go outside and fucking get some fresh air, you 
Oh my god. Ah. Mm. But it's bad because she is specifically the kind of person who's taking advantage of very, very, very vulnerable, fragile people. And that's what yeah. makes this particular brand of heinous. You're targeting people that are yep. already hurt and vulnerable. That are already hurting. And it... <clears throat> okay. Um, oh, yes, the frequency artwork with the whole onesie. Um, she sells these things. She claims that they have benefits, uh, like we've talked about. Um, but she also does this thing that I'm now going to coin a term for. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm going to call it swan splaining. Um, oh, <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> she, she, she does this in almost every single video. So I, I watched the one most recently on what family means and it was it was nonsense <laughs> like if you make it more than 10 minutes and you don't want to bang your head into a wall i don't family is both blood and not blood i was like i'm gonna fucking oh, wow i'm gonna come through the screen <laughs> for you so on this frequency artwork she does the same thing to understand more about how this form of artwork functions it is important to understand the meaning of the word vibration. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> but it's it's all it's all training, right? From the get-go, she is telling you how to think about something. And then it doesn't matter how outlandish it gets, it's all neurolinguistic programming. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, hi Kitty. Cat jumped up on me. I think she knew I was angry. All right. Um, so, anyways, so she sells a lot of this bullshit it's all ugly um <clears throat> i want to scream um she if you know of anyone who is a fan of hers maybe try to deprogram them a little bit maybe try to help them go, go just send them cat videos on the internet that always works um but i really cannot emphasize enough how dangerous she is and also people are like she's so charismatic i'm like i i'm watching cardboard talk this is bad i don't get it classy i y'all gotta try one of them her her, her oh, YouTube will. channel is so full of there's hundreds of videos on there you could you could fall down a rabbit hole and not come out for months it's bananas some joe um, exotic shit there oh my god it's just so <sighs> so to uh to to round all of this up uh i see a cult leader i see a pretty young woman who's got a horrifically stilted way of talking and a fake laugh that sets my teeth on edge um, and I see someone who is more than happy to take advantage of deeply vulnerable people and not only take advantage of them, but also milk them for their money, their sanity, and in the case of that young woman named Casey, to help them take their own lives. So that was a real bad bummer. Yeah. yeah and now I'm like fine. angry all over again. <laughs> I cannot emphasize enough to go listen to the Ono, Ross, and Carrie podcast um which they did back in october of 2018 they did a two-part special on her where they went to a synchronization workshop and sat in like the third row so oh my god that's worth listening to um the gateway podcast was uh specifically about teal 
And um, the the gentleman behind that actually went to her retreat in Costa Rica and got to oh, man. interview her and got like up close and personal with her for several days. And oof. Oof. Some heroes don't wear capes. Yeah. I don't know how he did that, but damn. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, Teal Swan, and I'm real sorry that I just bummed everyone the fuck out. Hey, first line of defense is knowledge. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and now you guys know this is out there. <laughs> a onesie with a vagina. Oh, the heart vagina. Apparently. Heart vagina. Cool. Yeah, so kids, don't join a cult. We love you here. You don't need to go send money to people to tell you that. Yeah. I mean, if you want to join a cult, just become part of our fandom and we'll educate you with the real weird shit. But not wrong weird shit. Teeth. <laughs> that is so out of context. I know it is. <laughs> That's why I said it's super it. out of context. <laughs> Teeth are interesting. But yeah. So, on that note, that is Teal Swan. Thank you, Hallie, for doing us all the favor of diving into that. Welcome. Need to go take a nap <laughs> now. <laughs> okay, bye. 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 If you know anyone that is struggling with thoughts of suicide or has suffered abuse of any kind, please visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org or call 1-800-273-8255. That's for our American friends and for our Canadian friends. Please give the number 833-456-4566 a call. If you are dealing with domestic abuse or sexual assault of any kind, you can contact RAIN at 1-800-656-5673. Thanks again for listening, and next week we will be getting into the holiday spirit as Hallie talks about Christmas traditions around the world, and I will tell you about the horse skull-wearing party known as Mary Lloyd. (laughs) 